Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older folks howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the old dogs ramble about when it's time to turn in your driver license. We give some samples of marriage musings. We report on a worldwide surplus of bathing suits. Our senior living expert, Michelle Watkins, comments on loneliness. We clue you in on some slang words you may need if and when you start touring the country again. And we relate the story of a young man who got himself a piano for a song. The Old Dog's conversation is with John Florian, a man with a history in newspapers and magazines who became a voice talent, then launched a major national service for other voice talent. Stay with us. Say, Jim. Yes. What the heck is on your mind? Well, as a matter of fact, I was out this morning driving to the Target for a few essentials and uh, got to thinking about driving and being the age I am and wondering when to pull the plug on that. Is that anything that a person themselves will decide or is it always going to be one of your kids that says, Dad, it's time to hand over the keys. What do you think? Right. Or they hide the keys on you. Mm. Yeah. I just had to renew my driver's license. And the first thing is I was struck by uh, this picture of my father that seems to go on my license. <laughs> How did days. that happen? I have no idea. Oh, as a matter of fact, but, I, I have the picture of your father on my driver's license as well. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it's, it's easy enough to do. Mm. Um, so anyway, I started thinking the same way you as how long do I want to keep driving and maybe what are the danger signs to look for? Yeah. And one that occurred to me is if you go out to your car to go someplace and you forget where you're going, maybe that's a sign. <laughs> that's a good sign. <laughs> or how about this one? If you're going 25 miles an hour on the freeway where everybody else is mm -hmm. zipping past at 70. Yeah. Yeah. I still curse out people that do that. And I, I realize I am not far from that moment myself. Well, as long as you're cursing them out, not vice versa, I think you're in good shape. Yes, yes. Was it anybody cursing you out when you went to Target? <laughs> no, not as far as I could tell. I just kind of feel that there's going to be a point where I just am not aware. I don't know that there's something wrong with my driving. That's probably more likely. Or maybe, uh, you know, you get a couple of dents in the fender. I know I have caught myself not being careful switching lanes. But I think I, I feel physically fit enough. My vision is okay. So I think at least for the immediate future, I'm okay. You know, so I guess both of us are confessing to some lapses that uh, seem to be connected to old age, but none of them um, I think are a safety issue for me now anyway. On the other hand, I don't think I want to follow you in your car. Uh, I was just going to say the same thing about you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. We'll call each other when we know we're going to be out on the road, so we give each other like a heads up. Don't go driving for the next two hours. You know, the HuffPost every two weeks gathers up funny tweets about married life, and this is some of the harvest from July 7th through the 20th, 2020. 
My wife had me install a super bright motion sensing floodlight, and now it looks like I'm trying to escape a prison when I walk outside at night. I forgot my mask, and my husband's running back to the car to get it. Ah, uh, 2020 romance. <laughs> I'm not saying my wife orders a lot of stuff online. I'm just saying my dog recognizes the sound of an Amazon Prime van approaching. I'm sorry, I gotta go. I'm going to be late for my wife's post-grocery shopping orientation where we cover snacks and treats that are meant for the mm -hmm. kids. The news is so disturbing and anxiety-inducing, so to relax, my husband and I are watching The Shining. My wife smiled and said good morning to me today. There's either a plan for my demise or there's a sale at DSW. My daughter asked me what marriage was like, and I nodded and said that sounded great. Then she asked me if I was even listening. My wife can remember what I said on November 18th, 2013, but can't remember the Netflix password she changed last week. Me, just finished working out. Wife, stop calling eating chicken wings as fast as you can a workout. My wife won an argument with four sighs, two eye rolls, and zero words. No kidding. My wife walks on water but only because I tried to fix the plumbing again. My husband brought home unfrosted Pop-Tarts, and now I have to file for divorce. Yeah, we had a good run. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll try to bring you some more of those in the future. I'm sure some of them are familiar to you. We all know the dangers of a city becoming too dependent on one industry. Detroit and cars, Pittsburgh and steel, and Xing Chung China and bikinis? This pod nugget is from the New York Times for July 25th, 2020. Xing Chung is an out-of-the-way factory town in northeastern China on the Bohe Sea. Nearly 100,000 residents of the town work in the factories that turn out swimwear. <laughs> a lot of swimwear. That is until the COVID-19 epidemic closed down beaches and pools around the world and dried up the demand for swimwear. Estimates are that this city produced about a quarter of the world's swimsuits. The factories exported to over two dozen countries, including the United States, under well-known names like Janssen. Sales last year totaled over $2 billion, until the industry took a belly flop. Things were tight for several months as China tried to stay afloat with the <laughs> pandemic. Recently, though, China has resumed more normal activities, including going to the beach. Now, even though the rest of the world is still struggling with the pandemic, the swimwear factories have decided not to tread water. They are stockpiling product for the future, assuming that a vaccine will bring the orders flooding in. So, the folks making swimsuits are back at work. Factories are no longer underwater. And they should be getting along swimmingly in the future. I got to tell you, folks, uh, Paul forgive wrote this. Me. Yeah, forgive Paul. Yes. Occasionally, we like to check in with Michelle Watkins, our senior living expert. In this episode, she's going to talk about loneliness and what people can do about it. Today, I'd like to talk to you about loneliness. It's a huge problem among seniors nowadays, especially with what we're experiencing now with the pandemic. Isolation is not good for anyone. Whether you're a child or whether you're a senior, it doesn't matter. We are creatures of community. Engagement is the biggest part of beating loneliness, is staying engaged to community, staying engaged to people you enjoy and doing things that you enjoy. 
life can't find you if you're just sitting on your couch. You got to put some effort forth and you got to get up and get out. If you're living by yourself, you may even consider moving to a retirement community where you can be around people your own age, people that enjoy the same things you enjoy, people that like to get together to just have dinner or a glass of wine, or you know maybe just talk about past experiences or play bridge, whatever it is that people enjoy, you can find it in a retirement community just because there's more seniors around. One of the best ways to get engaged in ways that you never dreamed of is to give of yourself to others. And that means volunteering, just getting out and selflessly giving of your time or your talents and engaging in volunteer organizations will come back to you a hundredfold. You'll end up having the busiest life in town and getting to meet a lot of interesting people that really appreciate you for the gifts you have. The biggest thing is you can't sit on your couch. Life can't find you there. So um, make a point of putting them effort forth and meeting new people and find them in places where, uh, where you enjoy what's going on. You know, whether it be senior centers, whether it be meetup groups, whether it be retirement communities, whatever it is, there are places out there and um, they're, they're welcoming and they're warm and they're engaged in things that you enjoy. So get out there and find them. When you travel around the country, you occasionally run into some local slang that requires explanation. We've selected a few regionalisms that you probably don't know. Special thanks to the website triptrivia.com for the definitions. First up is wicked. Somehow over the course of time, the people of Boston decided the word wicked is no longer a negative adjective, but rather a positive one that means very or extremely. Wicked might be the most well-known regional slang word in the United States due to its popularity in movies and TV. If you're a straight-A student in New England, you might be called wicked smart. Mumminem. If you're in New Orleans and see an old friend while you're in the supermarket, you might ask him or her, Hey, how's your mumminem? Janky. From New Jersey, this slang term is meant to describe anything that is run down, dilapidated, or held in low regard. It's typically used to describe inanimate objects, though not exclusively. My car is so janky, it barely starts in the morning. <laughs> well, we're doing accents now. Okay. Sure. Wampy jawed. Wampy jawed is another southern slang term to describe something that is crooked or uneven. The fun word can be used to describe a door that won't shut just right or a road that twists and winds around. <laughs> Such as, that picture looks a little wampy jawed. Can you straighten it? <laughs> and bubbler. Bubbler, most people call it a water fountain. But as soon as you cross the border into Massachusetts, it becomes a bubbler. Some areas of eastern Wisconsin have also adopted this slang term as their own. Yins. Since y'all is used almost exclusively in the South, the people of Pittsburgh decided to make up their own second-person plural pronoun. They chose yins. <laughs> when asking a group if they want to go out for dinner, yins want to grab something to eat. People in Pittsburgh suddenly come from the South, too, eh? It's the southern part of Pittsburgh. <laughs> I got it. If you're looking for a more colorful way to say make a U-turn, steal a phrase from New Englanders and say bang a U-E. Try it out next time you're giving driving instructions. You can't turn left here, so go to the corner and bang a U-E. 
Well, maybe we'll, <laughs> we may not be able to travel around the country these days, but if you sneak these words into your conversation, it will sound like you travel a lot. You know, we'd actually, like to also suggest that you don't <laughs> use an accent when you say these words. Yeah, probably not. We're always suckers for a feel-good story. Now, this one is about a college student who got a piano for a song. The story is from the Good Morning America website for July 16th, 2020. John Thomas Archer, a graphic design student at Northeastern University in Boston, stopped in at an antique store named Remarkable Cleanouts. Archer is a self-taught piano player, and he asked if he could play one of the pianos that was for sale. Getting permission, he played Don't Stop Believing by Journey. His playing struck a note with employees and customers, and they stopped what they were doing to listen. One worker filmed the performance and later showed it to the store owner, Mark Waters, who thought the recorded performance was fantastic. Waters was so impressed that he decided to give Archer a piano and was able to track him down on Facebook. When Archer learned he was going to receive a Steinway, he choked up. He went into tears, and it brought tears to my eyes, Waters said. It was one of those feel-good moments. All right, before you start brushing up on your version of chopsticks and try to hustle a free piano, realize that this was an unusual gift of generosity, not a common marketing technique. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't count on free musical instruments from a store owner. Well, maybe a free kazoo, if you can play one of his favorite songs. Hey, I'll take it. News reporter, magazine editor, and all-round communications whiz John Florian got to the point where he needed a change. He found a new career as a voice talent. But his growing awareness of the voiceover business convinced him that voice talent needed a resource for information about their industry. For over 15 years, John has been that resource, respected by new and seasoned talent alike. John, before you started what you're doing now, you had a long career in publications. Tell us about that. Well, I started off in newspapers, actually. I was a newspaper reporter, became city editor, and then they weren't paying me enough. So I moved on to a, entered a classified ad for a local publication. And it turned out to be, it was just the start of a uh, magazine company. And that company grew into a magazine publishing company with mostly business magazines and also consumer publications. So I was the editor of the publications. And as we grew, kind of things changed. So I was out and I decided to freelance writing, go back to freelance writing at that point. And then I also got into voiceovers. So I was matching a career for a couple of years with both of those um, opportunities. But how did you come to voiceover work? Well... I wasn't really making a whole lot of money in freelancing and voiceovers at the time. This is 1999, in fact, in 2000. <clears throat> so I decided after a while I needed a real job again, a steady job and for insurance purposes. So I went into corporate, back to the corporate world and I didn't like it. So I was there for two years and I was struggling. How the, what the heck do I do now? And so I went to a life coach helping me. He said, what, what, Two things do you love? What do you like to do? And one was publishing. I just loved the publishing and getting into somebody else's field and experiences and helping them. And then voiceovers. So I said, well, why don't you put the two together? And at that point, it was too expensive to start a publication in print. So I just had to go online. And so voiceover extra was born. Wow. wow. And that was really early online effort. Uh, for a publication, I don't know of many 
publications that were looking seriously online at that point. No, the, most of the publications were going with online versions, you know, the existing things. But, but as a startup online, I don't recall anybody else doing that, too, at that time. And so it was, it was kind of fun. I uh, found a, a tech host, and we developed a proprietary system, which I'm still using and, and updating. It actually took about six months to go, go back and forth and, and all the things I wanted. I, so it was kind of a magazine, and it's kind of evolved into marketing because they have advertising and voiceover services and products with their marketing efforts. And so we do email promotions also, in addition to having ads on there. But the basic thing is I have probably thousands of articles now on there, all free in all aspects of voiceover. That's an amazing achievement, John. For 20 years, you have been essentially the go-to resource for voiceover people, people who want to get into the business, people who have been in the business and want to learn something they don't know about, uh, people who want to contribute to the business by writing an article because they know that if uh, you feel it has merit, uh, you're going to publish it and it's going to stay in the archive for future access. Did you ever imagine that it would get that popular and that big? No, I didn't. It was in, and early on, it was kind of scary, too. I went to, it was in 2007, was the first voiceover trade show I went to. Pat Fraley, was, uh, he was, who's a marvelous voice actor and coach, he told me, well, how many subscribers are you, you going to get? I said, I don't know, I don't know. Well, a couple of months after the conference, I said, well, I have 50, because I promoted at the conference. I just asked for business cards, and I just put people on there. He says, I bet you I have 500 before long. He says, well, I hope so. By the end of that year, six months later, I had 500. Now I have over 5,200 subscribers. And these are all people who, you know, opt in to, to get the information. You know, John, a lot of people fancy themselves as a voice actor. Uh, their friends, their family have said, gee, you ought to be a voice actor. What is your advice for somebody who's never been in the business that wants to get into it? Well, if you want to get into reality, it's a business, something like acting. Now, just because you might feel good that you can act up things and tell good stories is a, is a far, far journey from, from that point to actually getting money. Um, one thing is you, want, you got to have a love of acting to a microphone and also be prepared to spend some years learning the craft and be good at marketing yourself. And also taking care of business. You're a freelance business person. So there's an awful lot of things to consider. But the first thing I would do is take some coaching and see what your skills really are and to see if really you really like to do this. See if you really can perform at the microphone, see what your skills are, and then you create a demo and then you market yourself a year or two down the road. Once you get a bunch of jobs, an agent might be interested in taking you on because an agent wants to make money with you. John, you know a lot of folks and have known a lot of folks in the voiceover business for a long time, and many of them are very durable. Uh, they are enduring talent, and they get hired frequently. Um, what is it about that kind of talent that makes them continue to be hired even in their later years? Skill and being able to work as a partner with a client, understanding what the client needs, and that means understanding the client's objective, who their audience is, and being able to connect with your voice to the people who will be listening to you. So there's a performance skill there. And also being easy and nice to work with. 
you don't want to be abrasive. You don't want to be a prima donna. It's just kind of, I'm your partner and let's work together. So those two things. And then staying in touch in a nice way without being a bother. You, you kind of friends really person. You don't really, you know, you know, you know having drinks together. Maybe you are. But you're still kind of a friendly relationship, a personal relationship. And you know how to serve them. And the clients keep coming back to you. John, do you remember how you got your first voiceover job? I got my first job by calling a local studio. And they said, well, just, just drop the demo by. And I said, well, can, can I bring it by now? And she said, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I did it. And just as I showed up, there was an advertising exec there with them. And the producer himself was trying to do a, a local TV commercial for carpeting, a Berber carpeting or something like that. He couldn't get it. He says, okay, you can do this commercial. Come on, you got it. I sweat bullets on that for 30 minutes. It was in the middle of summer, although the, the place was air conditioned. But boy, I came out soaked. But that was my first voiceover job. And the advertising guy was there, cut me a check for 50 bucks. And I, I felt so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I thought, this is going to be a daily experience. Of course, it was not. So, but <laughs> it was a nice beginning. It, again, it's all relationships, I think. So you consider yourself a publisher or a voice artist? I think days? a publisher, a publisher right now. Yeah. And I, I, the founder and publisher of voiceover extra is what I say as voiceover XTRA.com. I was going to say, if anybody's interested in voice work, that site is awesome. <laughs> you know, there's, there's so much information at that site. Has this just keep expanding over the years? It took me six months to put together. And I probably started with maybe 10 articles mm -hmm. or so. And I had a sub subscribers who would get the reports. And then I have a separate list of people who would get email alerts to the new articles. And it's just grown from there. I just, just, that was actually in 2006. So I have an archive of, of everything since 2006. So every year I have to boost my internet storage capability. The uh, opportunities, John, for doing voiceovers these days... Is it possible, let's say, for folks who have retired and are looking for something else to do, uh, do you think that there's still an opportunity for them to get into voiceover work? You know, Jim, I think that's perfect for people to consider voiceover when they're retiring or changing careers, especially if they've had some experience with this early on in their life or in their careers and there's something they want to come back to. For instance, for me, I went to college for broadcasting and film and I moonlighted as a DJ when I was in the Air Force, and then I got into print publishing. Now I'm back. Now I'm back. And someone who has been in the corporate area for 20, 30, 40 years or so, mm -hmm. they have a, a tremendous leg up in voiceover if they want to get into some kind of like corporate voiceovers or healthcare or technical or some, some kind of stuff that they, they feel comfortable in voicing. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think it's wonderful. The caveat would be they need a financial cushion to, as they learn the ropes of voiceover and get in their equipment in their home studio up to speed. Yeah. And, you know, that's probably the case for many retirees, that they do have somewhat of a cushion, so they can take the time to do this. It's kind of an advantage of being old, I guess. <laughs> a number of people are coming back into voiceover who had a radio career or something to do with television or radio or media way back when, and now they, hey, I want to get back into it. Well, what about the future for you, John? 
Are yeah. you going to continue to operate VoiceOver Extra? Do you think it'll keep on evolving, mm. or do you have plans to do something else? You know, I like it. In fact, I love it. It gives me something to do. It's very rewarding, so I have no plans to stop. There's nothing like it in the voiceover world. So do you have plans? Uh, do you have a succession plan for your business? <laughs> I'd, I'd often thought, you know, in starting this, I'd, well, I, I will sell it to somebody, but I don't know. There are some people in the industry who might be interested in taking it over for me. And I don't know that there's, there's any money involved. It's just something that's a, it's unique, and I think it's a service to the community. People always tell me they love what I'm doing, and that's a reward in itself. Like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. All our episodes are available on our website, www.olddogspodcast.com. And there are a lot more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.